0: All right, everybody. Welcome back in to another episode of StuCast, and uh, it's Final Four weekend coming up. There's there's only one guy I wanted to get on. Made the call. He's he's. This is a Jordan flu game for him. He's he's toughing it <laughs> out. Uh, he's been a you know a recurring guest on this show, and and I'm thankful for it. He is the proprietor of Haslammetrics.com. Go check it out for all your college basketball needs. He is Eric Haslam. Eric, good to see you again, my friend.
1: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: I, I, I'll be your Scotty Pippen or BJ Armstrong. That's right. Just got it. Just
1: got myself a pretty bad man cold last week. So uh, I'm hopefully over most of it right now. We'll see how my voice holds out long term. I haven't really tested it since then. So I guess we'll find out quickly. Yeah, it,
0: it, I, I kid you not. I'm right there with you. Like it, it, it's just some colds like, you know, the wife, the kids, they they get it. it they brush it off in a day and a half. You, you know, I get it. Dad gets it the worst. It's the it just, and, it, worst. and it just
1: hit. It it mowed us down like dominoes in this house. And we kind of knew it was going to happen with this whole pandemic. We never had COVID. Nobody, knock on wood, nobody in the house had COVID. Nobody in the house really had anything for the last two plus years. So we kind of knew eventually when we were going to get something, be it the stomach flu, a, a, a bad cold. We we kind of figured the hammer was going to drop pretty heavy, and it kind of did. But I'd rather, I guess, I'd rather take this like week long cold symptoms over like, you know, the stomach flu, you know how that is. It's not a lot oh, of fun. Yeah. So we've avoided that at least up until no, now. It, so
0: And it's like, you see it coming. And it's like you're pounding vitamin C, like it's going mm-hmm. out of style. And But right. we're here, we're almost at, uh, at the end of the tournament here. And, you know, before we get into the games, I wanted to ask you, you know, because Haslametrics is so darn good, uh, to use during the season. I know Bark Torvik does it where he encapsulates the tournament and I think he's basing it off of, you know, some of what happened in the season, but he almost treats like the tournament as its own thing mm-hmm. with its own stats and adjusted efficiencies. Do you do anything like that?
1: No, for the most part, I kind of just leave everything as is throughout the year. There's really nothing I, I, I mean, you can, one thing I've learned, and we can try to, you know, spin this any which way we want, but I always thought to myself, going into the tournament, everybody always asks those questions about what do you want to look at? What's going to be the what's going to be the 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 magic, you know, metric that's going to lead my team all the way to the championship game. And I've seen this enough times and knows to know that when we get to March, you just throw everything out the window. And and great example of um you know coming into the tournament i always talk about momentum and momentum is a very you know a reliable metric at least i use with my wagering throughout the year well coming into the tournament a team like iowa was red hot and what happened to them one and done and this is exactly who i picked them they were inconsistent throughout the year so i picked them in my own personal quote-unquote eye test uh, bracket to lose right away to richmond and they did lose to richmond but I also said there's no way that North Carolina is getting out of that, f- that first weekend because they're the same way. They're untrustworthy, and here they are in the final four. So, again, it, there are just so many things. Um, it, it just seems like everybody has kind of a habit um, throughout the, the you know the conference season where there's a lot of just kind of – you can look at different traits and different personalities and fingerprints of all these different teams, and they're quite reliable. But then once you throw these guys – In that tournament with a bunch of teams that they just don't see day in and day out, it just seems like shaking a snow globe and everything just goes all to hell. Um, So circling back, do I do anything specific? No, I don't. I just kind of look at my ratings. I look forward and, you know, I try to say based on on paper how this is supposed to play out. This would be the projected result. But as I've seen in the past, you know, when we get to that tournament, you know, everything changes and weird stuff just happens.
0: Now, outside of the obvious and the aforementioned uh, North Carolina and St. Peter's, mm-hmm. what's been the most surprising thing in the tournament? What's the most re- surprising result to you that you saw?
1: Um, the surprising result to me, I mean, I, I, off the top of my head, one of the things I would probably say is um, Providence proved enough people wrong by getting to the Sweet 16.
0: That's fair. I that,
1: a lot of people would say that they were imposters and they were frauds or whatever. And the luckiest and team into, in basketball. Yeah, and I kind of said the same thing. And I thought, okay, I mean, granted, they—you can't really just shower them with complete praise because they did beat a 13 seed and a 12 seed, so they weren't exactly, you know, beating up two seeds and one seeds. And but they were very competitive against Kansas, and and I give them a lot of credit. This was, this was a team that I that found ways to win throughout the year. They found a way to get to the sweet 16, um, you know, good on them. I would say that probably one of the biggest surprises that I didn't see really coming was probably Miami. Um, I, I, I just don't think Miami was that great of a team. I thought they were a better team than USC, but Auburn, I thought Auburn had one of the easiest walks to the, um, to the elite eight. I thought, you know, they were a consistent team um, analytically speaking. And I mean that from an efficiency standpoint, when you look at the projections, of how they performed in offensive and defensive efficiency versus how they actually performed versus the projection. They were really close. They they weren't like North Carolina and Iowa where they were all over the board. They were consistent. And I looked at it before the season. I thought this is going to be a team that's going to walk to the elite eight because they're consistently good. They don't have too much of a, you know, they don't vary too much in their performance, but you know, to see what Miami did to them was a little bit of a surprise to me. And then Miami goes and, You know, beats Iowa State, Wisconsin. My Badgers lose. So that kind of that little bracket was a little bit of a surprise to me. That ten versus eleven. It's an easy answer because yeah, if you're getting ten versus eleven there in the Sweet 16, not not a lot of people saw that coming in the first place.
0: I uh, I want to throw this out just because the game is uh, while it's tonight as folks are are hearing this, NIT championship. I know I forgot to mention it in the pre-show, but it's up. If you folks go to HaslamMetrics.com, it's on the preview page. It's the first game up. And, you know, I think it's, I I think it's worthwhile to bring up because NIT it's lost some luster uh, from what it once was. Mm. Um, I remember living and dying with uh, Detroit mercy, hoping, willing them to try and beat Georgetown in the NIT championship game. Yeah. but, it, you know, in the past few years, and I know it's going away from MSG eventually here, but I, I think it's kind of an interesting matchup because, again, uh, like Providence, Xavier's had a four. I mean, you talk about a team all over the map. That's one. Mm-hmm. Texas AM over the past month and a half. I mean, it's really hard to find a team playing better basketball. Uh, you have this as a essentially a one-point differential um can you talk a little bit about your your feelings on on how you projected it and if you had a lean
1: yeah no I mean if I uh, I, I'm gonna lean at Texas A&M on this one I'm gonna go with the analytics because like you said Texas A&M is a team that is fifth in the country right now in positive momentum they've you know they've just taken off here especially since the the start of March I think I had them right around number 80 coming into the month of March and now they're you know what are they number 35 or something like that so they've really made a huge move up um, based on how especially how they did in the SEC tournament that that really helped them um, I thought they, they I, you know I think a lot of like Arkansas Texas A&M and Arkansas are very, very low I think that Arkansas was another team that got hot and stayed hot up until their very end and I think Texas A&M is very is very much the same way they got hot especially in that SEC tournament. And they've really shown very little signs of really easing off the accelerator. So I like in this situation, you know, if you asked me a question a month ago, this would have been an easier pick for Xavier. And I think Xavier might've, you know, turned the corner a little bit with that win over um, St. Bonaventure. But at this point, I got to lean towards where the analytics are saying and the analytics are saying Texas A&M. I like their momentum Um, right now. I have them. Uh, by I think it's one and a quarter point. I think I have Texas AM favored by. I might be inclined to go even heavier than that. I do not know what the spread is right now. I'm in check. Four it. and a half. It's four and a half. Four and a half for Texas AM.
0: Yeah, four and a half uh Texas AM and uh, uh is given. Uh, that's oh they're giving so so Xavier or no uh, Texas the, AM it, is
1: favored. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um okay in that case, while that's uh, that's quite a spread, I, don't, I I almost might be inclined to flip it then and go in that particular instance. I think that spread is too much. I think I'd probably go Xavier. I did benefit. I did bet on Xavier in that St. Bonaventure game and came away with a win on that one. So that was a straight money line bet on that one too. So I might be inclined to go money line on, on Xavier in this one as well.
0: Pre- appreciate you uh, reaching out to me because I love the Bonds. So I appreciate that. that, that that's good looking out, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gosh, that that was a. That second half, if St. Bonaventure could have just played the second half like they did, you know, and translated that to the first half and played a consistent game, but St. Bonaventure, another team, uh, you know, I don't want to get into a Bonnie's talk here, but another team that just. That's a microcosm of, of the season they had pretty much. Well,
1: they, they had the talent, they just didn't have the depth. That was the one common element that I heard from every St. Bonaventure fan is they,
0: they, you just can't win games
1: playing what, six, seven guys. And or I don't even know if it was even seven, but it was like playing six guys and most of them averaging like 35, 36 minutes a game. That's, you know, that's a kind of a, you're, it's like running a four minute mile and running a marathon at that space like, you know, over that time. It's kind of, you kind of run out of gas after
0: a while. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's get into the final four. First game up, five or 609 Eastern on Saturday, Villanova taking on Kansas. Kansas laying four and a half to over under 133. Again, we're going to find a common denominator here. You have this as a one point line. Uh, Kansas favored uh kind of in line Vegas once again bumping this up a little bit Villanova the big injury uh yeah with uh it's more that's out correct
1: yeah Justin Moore yeah, yeah torn
0: Achilles yeah and so you know I think that Gillespie's had some ankle issues do you think that you know Villanova with the injuries is just gonna kind of peter out and this we, i've been waiting for kansas to kind of be kansas for david mccormick to really have that game that really solidifies them i i, I mean it, it. it's kind of like they've just been treading water gotten easy matchups and done what they should have done what do you think about this game
1: yeah i with in this situation i always tell people because i get a common question on twitter and they said you're your analytics take into account injuries? And I say, no, not proactively. It keeps everything at a team level. It doesn't break things down to the player level. So this projection that you see on my site is probably looking at it is it is looking at a Villanova team that has Justin Moore in it. Now, the question is, how much do you adjust? And a lot of people have asked that question. I go, that's a very difficult question to answer because Justin Moore plays roughly 35 minutes a game. So you're talking about five minutes out of a 40 minute period where you don't have Justin Moore on the court. So your sample size is relatively small. You have to make some kind of big assumptions, knowing that there's not a lot of playing time to look at of Villanova without Justin Moore on the floor. So how, what kind of impact is that going to have? It can have varying degrees of impacts. And, and I, I probably brought this up on your show before, but you know, look at last year when Illinois lost IO and they had to go to Ann Arbor. And people are myself included jumped on Michigan, hit them hard. And then Illinois goes in there and wins that game by 23 on the road. It's uh, one of the things that I have noticed in the past is that teams that lose a key player are Uber zoned in right away, not necessarily long-term, but for the short term, they know who has to step up and who has, so they're zoned in. So, uh, you know, I look at the spread. Uh, four and a half or something like that and go if you're going to give you know take a one and a half point spread add three to it and make it four and a half because of justin moore granted justin moore is a key player i get it but you know at the same time if you told me that villanova comes out of this one and steals a victory without justin moore still wouldn't surprise me because i've seen this too many times in the last few years of a a team losing a key player and just zoning in and, and I've, I've talked to other people and they've said the same thing where it's like, well, you know, the, the guys on the team just know they have to step up and they focus on it. And on the flip side, does a Kansas team look at Villanova and say, well, they don't have Justin Moore. They're thinking in the back of their mind that they can take their foot off the pedal. And you can't do that with a, with, with a guy like Colin Gillespie. Not saying it's going to pan out that way. I probably will leave it alone because I look at this and go one and a half point spread in favor of Kansas. They're adding three for Justin Moore to get to four and a half. It's probably in line with what my analytics would say. I'm probably not going to touch it, but you know, I, I would not, I definitely would not rule out Villanova winning this game. Depth has been a concern with, for me with Villanova in the past, but they've overcome it. Now you're losing a big guy like this. I don't know if this is going to be, you know, one guy too many, but you know, look at Houston, a team like Houston got, got away with losing Sasser. They got away with losing Tremont Mark and, they still got as far as they did. So Villanova has the guys that can, can win this game. Um, but yeah, d- definitely a costly injury with the Achilles injury for Justin Moore.
0: hundred percent agree. And I, I heard um, Jeff Nadeau say something to similar effect today. Um, that's an interesting point that, you know, like you said, they can get by with one game. Absolutely. And then, you know, I that's something where you know the wheels might fall off in a in a the back half of a back-to-back there um I I can see your point uh we're going to take a short break folks we're going to come back we're going to look at Coach K's hopefully final game (laughs) um I hate that guy uh and and we'll come back right after this If you like the StuCast, you might want to check out what's going on over at inthemoneypodcast.com and on the In the Money Media Network. We've got a whole bunch of podcasts devoted to horse racing from the player development side to the week in, week out gambling side to the horseman side. There's going to be a show for you. Come check us out, inthemoneypodcast.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. All right, back with the great Eric Haslam of HaslamMetrics.com. These snickers that great, but you know <laughs> it's it's been a uh, it's been helpful this year. I'm uh, adequate. It, I'm a, I'm adequate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll well, take I'll okay. take
1: I'll settle for adequate.
0: <laughs> the adequate, the very adequate Eric Haslam, joining us again. Uh, so the other other game in the Final Four. Uh, I mean, it's like, you know, if anybody wanted to say that the uh, NCAA cooks stuff up, Mm -hmm. this would be exhibit A. Uh, Duke, a one point, almost one point exactly favorite uh, on your metrics over North Carolina. The line is four. Um, We've seen this show a couple times already this season, both teams winning one uh, on playing away. What's your take on this? I mean, Duke is, I don't know. I i, I personally, I feel like they've gotten a pretty, uh, pretty sweet ride to, to uh, the, this point here North Carolina, just dismantled the St. Peter's team that I just felt like you can only beat so many good teams before, you know, the luck runs out and the buckets don't fall. Um, where do you fall on this rivalry game? Well, it's
1: it's tricky because um, the two teams that I really didn't trust as coming into the tournament were Iowa and North Carolina. We've talked about this before about how they were 357th and 358th, respectively, at one point. I don't know the order in inconsistent or inconsistent in the consistency metric. They were those two teams have been extremely erratic, untrustworthy, and we've seen it before with with um north carolina and i'm like how can you trust a team that i'm just going to throw this out there they lost by 28 at miami they lost there was a game where they lost on a neutral court to kentucky by 29 um you lose at home to pittsburgh of all teams pittsburgh um you lose to duke by 20 at wake forest you lose by 22 that's bad north carolina that's really bad north carolina but then you had the north carolina teams that beat up North, North Carolina State and Florida State at, at, at Boston College. You get in the tournament, and they bury Marquette, and you've seen a very, very talented, high-ceiling North Carolina team that's all over the board. So this is one of the reasons why I couldn't really pick, um, in good faith, either a team like Iowa or North Carolina to go very far. So I, I kind of do a, two brackets every single year. I do an eye test bracket, and I do an analytics bracket. My eye test bracket, I had Richmond beat in Iowa right away, and I had Baylor beat North Carolina in the second round. If someone would have said that North Carolina was going to string together four solid performances in a row, I'd say, I just don't believe it. I just can't. I haven't seen it from them this year. They're going to lay an egg. Maybe their egg was the Baylor game, the second half of that Baylor game where they got a big, huge 25 point lead, arguably a little bit of a boost from the referees. And all of a sudden Baylor comes back and ties that game. North Carolina wins that game in, um, in overtime, but, I keep waiting for a full 40 minutes of bad UNC, and I haven't seen it yet. And I don't know if I'm going to get it here or not. Um, I, I, you know, I, I like to think that teams tend to regress back to their norm, <clears throat> and, the, and the norm for um, North Carolina is to actually have that awful performance one time. When it comes to even their average performance, they're a really, really solid team. I had them higher rated than any, any other analytics site before the ncaa tournament even started i had them i probably right around 16 where everybody else probably had them in the 26 range or something like that um so on average they're really really good but their erraticism means they can play really really good or really really bad and that's where i don't trust it because at some point you're going to bring that really really bad you can lose to anybody the thing is they haven't brought it yet is it going to be this game where it finally shows up and rears its ugly head I I can't say that it is because when you look at their, their ratings, their game ratings for the NCAA tournament, there was a plus 43.4. That's an awesome rating versus Marquette. It was a pretty much break-even rating in the win over Baylor because you just look at regulation where it was tied. You look at UCLA, they got a positive 9.7 and St. Peter's was a positive 23.1. They've had nothing but positive ratings and I'm keep, I'm keep waiting for that other shoe to drop and, I, I guess I would probably say in this situation, I would probably ride Duke if that spread, and maybe too many people are riding Duke right now because I look at that spread and it is what four, four and a half where I'm yep. showing something more like one. Again, I, I'm probably not going to touch it, but just for the heck of it, just because it's such a, you know, I look at this and go, here's a one point game that I'm, on the analytics without any injuries affecting anything where everybody's t- saying Duke by four, I would almost, again, I'm almost money line this sucker on North Carolina and just say, what the hell? Um, if, if they if bad UNC shows up, bad UNC shows up, and you go, okay, I kind of expected that. But if they play anything close to how they've been playing in the, in the tournament so far, this game is going to be closer than four points. That's my opinion. So I, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win, but I, if, if North Carolina plays anything like they played in any of the four games in this NCAA tournament, that four point spread is too too big, in my opinion.
0: I, I mean, really, if you look back uh, since February fifteenth, um, which I uh, coincides with that Pittsburgh loss that you mentioned, yeah, uh, your all play percentage ranking, they've kind of been gradually going up and staying up. So you're really talking about a team that seems like. It really feels like even before – and, yes, they did lose to Votek, and Votek's hard to beat on a day when they're hitting threes. I mean, that's – Vatek when they hit three-pointers – They, three beat, pointers, they, it, they, it, they beat Duke, too. They beat Duke, yep. too, in the championship. So, yeah. Uh, and, and you look at this North Carolina team, it's just been steady for a month and a half with – Caleb Love being as hot as he is right now, Mm -hmm. Baycott you figure is going to get after Mark Williams and there's going to be some, you know, even spiel there. Uh, Ben Carroll's going to be keyed on, obviously. Does it a lot? This game historically goes over. Uh, I know a lot of folks. I I bet the over just blind on Duke UNC Mm -hmm. because it's always like a you know, it feels like it's one of those 82, 78 type games, 87, 81 type deals. Yeah. Uh, Do you feel like the defenses, uh, both Duke and UNC have really clamped down in the past month to where this might actually be an underplay? Um, in my opinion,
1: I would probably say, you know, when you look at Duke's defenses, I mean, North Carolina's defense is actually ranked better than Duke's. I have, uh, North Carolina 20th in defensive efficiency Duke is 43rd and the over under that I see right now is 151 and if you look at my projection you're pretty much right on 151 it's 70 76 75 is is what I have right now in favor of Duke um in those situations I probably would almost if I had to pick I would almost go the over just because in these situations I like situations when you're talking about a point of difference that's close to what vegas has if i have 151 and it's a one point separation you're talking about potential overtime and you're getting free points in overtime so in those situations i'd almost be inclined to go with the over um it's that's just the way i work things in this situation i probably won't i need to have a better reason than that I, when, I, when my projections say 151 and vegas says 151 that's usually I – don't, I don't even look twice. I don't go digging typically in those situations and say, well, let's try to find the one thing that will give me the over-under. If I'm so close in that situation, I usually just go, there are better bets to be had out there. I'm going to move on. So when it comes to the over-under on this one, I probably will skip. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go the over just because of that golden rule of mine that says if you have you know two teams that are supposed to go or one, score 151 in the projections, Vegas has 151 but it's so close. We're talking about a point of difference. Overtime is a very real possibility. And then, like I said, you're getting free points from those teams in, those, in that overtime period.
0: Eric, I can't thank you enough for an adequate performance tonight the Jordan <laughs> flu game. Um, where can people find you? Because I know you're, you're tweeting up a storm. You're, you're on am. the couch. You're under the weather, but you're still tweeting. You're still talking. You're still doing the stuff. Uh, where can people find you?
1: Everybody can find me over at Haslametrics.com. I got my ratings, my rankings, my bracketology, which is now done for the year. And my projections are all out there. And otherwise, if you want to find me on Twitter, I am out there going hashtag analytically final at, at Haslametrics.
0: And with that, I know we're, we're unfortunately at the end, but about what time should folks start looking at Haslametrics getting ready for next year?
1: Well, what I did last year is I think I released my preseason baselines. I want to say right around in that October 15th to October 20th range, if, if memory serves. I probably will get going on things. I'll be tracking all the, the offseason uh, transfer portal stuff throughout the summer. But usually right around September is kind of when I jump back on that horse, kind of start getting everything in line, looking at the recruiting rankings, plug everything in, crunch the numbers. And then what I try to do is probably about, a, I would say about two weeks before the season starts. I like to get my preseason baselines out there. I'm kind of done at that point. I can walk and say, okay, I got two weeks off of just chilling. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing it'll probably be sometime in that mid to late October range when you, you can expect the uh, the preseason baselines for 2022-23.
0: You know what? I'm just saying this, throwing this out in the world, maybe it happens. I, I think uh, I have some metrics uh, Three-man weave collab uh, would be fun to do, <laughs> see in the off season. Hope uh, hope we see something like that. But I can't thank you enough, Eric, for joining me today. Folks, good luck on betting the Final Four of the NIT. Um, it's a sad end, and, and we've got to wait uh, five months until we get college sports back, which is sad. But coming up, wife and kids, gone gone for the week uh i'm 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 sad but i'm also like that that happy feeling of like quiet nap times or play it's gonna be great uh but we're gonna be loading up the podcast scott bernstein peter thomas fornatal ton of folks coming up um so we'll be ha- we'll be hot and heavy with some uh with some shows coming up here. So stay tuned. So until next time for Eric, for myself, we'll see you on the next stupid.